If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Luke chapter 2. Last week we were in Luke 1. Today we're going to be in Luke 2. And at Christmas Eve, we'll have a very special reading of the Christmas story. We had not done that in a few years. We've done other things on Christmas Eve, but it'll be real special on Thursday of this week. But Luke chapter one is or Luke chapter two, sorry, is where we'll be today. Last week we focused on Luke one thirty, where an angel named Gabriel visited a region of of Galilee in a town called Nazareth to a virgin named Mary who was engaged to a man named Joseph of the tribe of David. A very Jewish setting, a real place, a real time, history tells us. And that angel told Mary to do not be afraid. And just like every single time in Scripture, 365 times in God's Word, when it tells us not to be afraid, there is a reason to be afraid. Could you imagine being the mother of the Messiah? And we said last week that no one else will ever be called to be the mother of the Messiah. That was a one-time Mary-only thing. But we're all called and we all can find the favor of God. And that's what Gabriel told her that day. Don't be afraid. The favor of God can rest on you. So today, Luke 2, and again, a story a little bit out of context, but just one verse of this I want us to hone in on it. Luke chapter 2 and verse 14. If you have an open Bible, that'd be good. If not, just look up at the screen. If you're at home, it's put right there on your phone, tablet, device, whatever. Luke 2, 14, here we are. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Don't y'all love Christmas? When my daughter was a little girl at a Christian school, they asked the class, what's your favorite holiday? And she said, Halloween. And I thought, you know, uh, just makes me so proud as a pastor to know my daughter doesn't like Christmas or Easter, but Halloween. But I love Christmas, don't you? I, I, I really love it. And I love these words, glory to God in the highest, and on earth to all men, peace. So today, I want to talk about peace. And I want you to stay engaged with me because it's missing, it's hard, it's evasive, and it's likely to elicit pain in the hearts of many today. But stay with me with the greatest spirit of surrender, of yieldedness, of openness Incline your heart to what God may say through a broken, messed up, sinful vessel like me today. But this idea of peace. What the angel said, this phrase, we've turned into peace on earth. And it's etched on cards. It's sung about in carols. It's inscribed on ornaments that we put on trees. But is it just a Christmas fantasy? There's a lot, I can't get in trouble if there's any little kids listening, but there's a lot that's fantasy about Christmas, but is this just another one of them, this reality of peace on earth? So let's consider, first of all, the quest for peace. A friend admitted to me about a week or so ago, sitting down with me and unpacking their suitcase a little bit about their life and they confessed early on in the conversation this person said Robert I didn't travel for Thanksgiving not because of COVID restrictions but because of family divisions and that's a big thing isn't it like it's a it's a really big thing take a look at this video of a little girl who uh, just for her age is remarkable her her ability and passion to communicate and she has just witnessed a fight between her mom and dad And this is her sitting on the steps, uh, pleading with her mom, making a plea for peace. Take a look, if you will. No one else than me. Mom, are you ready to be his friend? Yes. Try not to be that, that high up to be friends. I want everything to be low, okay? Okay. 
just try your best. I I don't want you and my dad to be replaced and and me again. I want you and my dad to be placed as settled and be friends. I'm not trying to be mean. I just want everyone to be friends. And if I can be nice, I think all of us can be nice too. I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm trying to do my best in my heart. Nothing else than that. I want you, Mom, my dad, everyone to be friends. I want everyone to be smiling. Not like being mad. I want everything to smile. Especially when I see someone, I want them to smile. Especially Nana, everyone. I want everyone to smile. And if that's for my dad and you, Mom, I think you can do it. I think you can settle your your mean your mean heights down a little to short heights. Then it's both, okay? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be a bully. I'm trying to be steady on the floor, not way down on straight. On the middle, where my heart is, my heart is something. Everyone else's heart is something too. And if we live in a world where everyone's being mean, everyone's gonna be a monster in their future. What if if there's just a little bit of persons and we will eat them, then no one will ever be here. Only the monsters in our place. We need everyone to be in person. Everyone, including me and my mom. Everyone. I just want everything to be settled down. Nothing else. I just want everything to be good as possible. Nothing else. Thank you, Tana. Come and give mommy chup chup. What do you think? I love you. I love you too. I'm with her. Are you? Scripture says that phrase, out of the mouth of babes. And we get that at Christmas a lot of times. But I'm with her. A plea to see people smile and to see peace and to settle things down. And when things go to heights in your home, when things go to heights in our world, it's not a good thing. It's a lack of shalom is that Hebrew word you hear me preach from time to time. History tells us over our last 3,500 years that there's been an estimated 8,000 peace treaties. Nearly all of them have been broken. So there's a lack of peace in our world. There's a lack of peace in our homes. Uh, Consider your life. Consider you at 2.30 a.m. on one of those mornings, one of those nights. It's really morning, but you consider it to be a night because it's 2.30 a.m. and you pound the pillow. You adjust the sheets. You move from side to side and you cannot sleep. Everyone else in your house is asleep, but you're not able to get to sleep. Your spouse is asleep. The kids are asleep. Your dog at the end of the bed is asleep. Even the goldfish is asleep. But you can't get to sleep. So what do you do at past 2.30 a.m.? You check the news. You said you wouldn't, but you do. And you find out more about the virus. In fact, you see the ticker of deaths and hospitalization and cases and facts, many out of context, but it riles up in you. Your thoughts don't just race. They rage. 
and you begin to think about the schools that aren't meeting and the players that aren't playing and the churches that aren't gathering and you think of the loss and the, the sheer number and the specific nature of death and disease that's running rampant around the globe and you have fears and you're also fatigued of the closings and the shutdowns and the arguing about the mask and everything. And you think of Psalm 37, 8 that says, do not fret because you will bring harm and you think of all the harm what the Bible said thousands of years ago is scientifically proven to be true. Any medical doctor in the house or at home can tell you that a lack of peace does things to you. Proverbs 14, 30 says a lack of peace rots the bones. It affects your blood pressure. Your stomach ulcerates. Uh, it affects your jaws. There's a tightness in your neck and your back, a toughening of the bowels. It affects everything in you and you at well past 2.30 after checking the news, you feel an acute pain in your neck. You exaggerate it because that's what we do when we worry late at night. You exaggerate that pain. And so you check out WebMD, which is probably worse than checking the news. And in a few moments after some facts on WebMD, you didn't go to medical school, but you just check WebMD and you realize that it could be something that could one day lead to you needing chemo. And you wonder, will you need chemo and will you have the insurance to pay for the chemo? And our thoughts race and they rage and there's a lack of peace. We suffer. Let me ask you, what does that make you if that's you? I'm not piling on. I'm not picking on anybody. I, I know about battles of anxiety. I have loved ones who know about serious battles with anxiety. But hear me now. I'm not picking on anybody or piling on. What does that make you? That restlessness, that anxiety, that angst, that sleeplessness, what does that make you, that trepidation? I got the answer for you this morning. I want you to hear it because somebody really needs to hear it. It makes you, you ready for it? Drum roll. It makes you a human. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you're stupid. It doesn't mean that you're demon possessed. It doesn't mean that your parents failed you. It doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. It doesn't mean that you don't have faith. It means that you're human. And we walk in this world if for the last 3,500 years, humans have made peace treaties, 8,000 of them that we've largely broken, if little girls sit on the steps and plead with a parent for peace in the home, look, it just means we're human. It means that something's missing, that we need to look outside of ourselves. enter the Christmas story. We have levels of anxiety, lack of peace in our lives. Stimulated in large part because of what's unknowable, because of what's uncontrollable, and because of what's unlikely. And the news, the omnipresent 24-7 news cycle feeds into that thing of what's likely or unlikely. Nowadays, okay, I'm not talking about one thing, I'm talking about many things, a multitude of issues, but used to be, when I was a kid, Walter Cronkite, y'all remember Walter Cronkite? Facts and journalism and just, they would stick to it. And journalists, imagine this, journalists were trusted. Today, there'll be some what could happen, what might happen. And so the unlikely plays out. And you take that, that we're presented with. If your screen time is multiple hours a week, you could have some trauma, a lack of peace because of that. And you take what is just because we're living in a broken, fallen world, you take what's unknowable and uncontrollable. That's enough to rob your peace, isn't it? We're humans, and we have to deal with that, what's unknowable and uncontrollable. Seven years ago, I presided over a wedding in Shreveport, Louisiana. 
it was outside. It was a young couple, one from here, the bride from there. And it was, I would say, a farm, but it's more like a cattle ranch. And when the guest arrived, they went through an entry point. And that entry point, you've seen this at other weddings, but it had a Bible. It had a guest book to fill in. It had a place to write a favorite verse. And it had a picture of a gorgeous woman. And next to the woman, the picture of this woman, it had a passage from the Bible that many of you know, 1 Corinthians 5, 3. You don't even have to be a person of faith probably to have heard of this verse. It says, uh, absent in, in body, but present in spirit. And that was the testimony. That was the love expressed through the photo of this woman. And you see this bride that was given away that day, whose father walked her down the aisle to me and, of course, to the groom. That, uh, that family was wrecked years prior to that when that bride, that young woman, was a little girl. Her mother went out on Christmas Eve to just pick up a couple of things, quick Christmas Eve jaunt just to pick up a couple of things. And careening across the intersection was a reckless driver who wasn't paying attention where he was going, and he crashed into her. And hours later, she died at the hospital on Christmas Eve. We fight for peace. There's so much that we cannot control. There's so much that we do not know. And we have trouble deciphering between what's likely and unlikely. And if you battle a lack of peace to any extent, it means that you're human. But let's talk about it today. So here's the question that I have for you. That's, if you will, the quest for peace, which affects all of us. Uh, real quick before the question, let me say this. There's a writer named Scott Stossel. He wrote in the Atlantic. I want to quote from him. He wrote in the Atlantic and he talked about his lifelong attempts for peace. A man, this writer, uh, in his 60s. And he says that he has tried everything. Listen to what he said. I've tried everything. I've tried this. I've tried individual therapy, family therapy, group therapy, Cognitive behavioral therapy, rational emotive behavioral therapy, hypnosis, acupuncture, yoga, stoic philosophy, Epicurean philosophy, hedonism, Tony Robbins tapes ordered on late night TV. I've tried drugs, many, many medications, Prozac, Zoloft, Paxil, Cymbalta, and Valium. And I've tried beer, wine, gin, vodka, bourbon, and scotch. And he asked the question in the Atlantic just a, a year and a half ago, what has worked for me? Nothing. So I say to you today, to every heart that's open, to consider the Christmas story. As a follower of Jesus, it's something that I'm proud of. It's something I'm passionate about. It's something that can be a ruling force in our lives. It's something that can make a difference with peace. Last week, I quoted from somebody else saying when we were talking about fear, do not be afraid, the, the angel Gabriel's announcement to Mary. And I said to you that You'll never be fearless, but you could fear less. And today, because, listen to me, because you're human, you're going to have battles with peace. But I want to today tell you, if there's anybody a little skeptical or cynical, I don't think one sermon or one scripture is going to end it for you, but I do believe that one sermon and one scripture could really affect change in you. So consider just for a moment from the Christmas story this reality of peace and what it could be for you. So here's the question as we've considered the quest. The question is this, is there a peace that's possible no matter the circumstances? The first part of the question is good enough. Is there a peace that's possible? 
But the second half of the question is what really separates us and which could really lead you to a lifelong formation of character. Is there a peace that's possible no matter the circumstances? So let's say that you're a young lady, you're 21 years old, and you just finished your semester in college, and you got straight A's. We would all agree, that's a good thing. You thought maybe you'd a B or C or heck a D, but you made straight A's. Isn't that great? But your boyfriend out of nowhere broke up with you. Do you have peace because you got straight A's? That breakup probably, to some extent, lessened that GPA. Are you with me? So there's a couple of choices we have, and I know that sounds too simplistic, but I'm telling you it's real. You challenge me later if you want to, but you can design your life around two different ways, two different philosophies. One is you can live to make your circumstances favorable. So I'll wake up each day and I will, I will do everything I can to make my circumstances favorable. And look, I mean this, I'm not being sarcastic. Good luck. I hope you have a ton of favorable circumstances. No, you're not going to grow spiritually. You're going to be hard to live with. You're going to be arrogant. You're going to be shallow. You're going to be a robot. You're going to be not human. It's going to be hard for you to relate to others who suffer. Remember Romans 12, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. If everything goes your way, you'll never be able to weep with those who weep. We've been weeping around our house, and it's reminded us that we can weep with you, and we've wept with you, and now some of you are weeping with us. You will not have, if, you, if you're like 18 or 22 or something, and you've had mostly favorable circumstances, great family and all that, look, that's awesome. It ain't going to last much longer. And here's the thing. Let me, let me, let me relate it to me a little bit. Let's uh, pretend you're a pastor and things are going well for you. And giving is good. And uh, there's just a lot of good things happening. People are motivated and there's a mission and it seems to be uh, just things, good things are going, and you get lots of encouragement. But one person says they're leaving the church, and it's because of you or because of something that you have no control over, something you do have control over. That one person leaves. Do you, do you think about all the good things, or does that, does that thing sting you? Does the 10 praises you get, does it in any way get negated by the one criticism? I'm asking. Now, I'm probably the only pastor in the house, but I'm just asking you, relate that to you. If you get 10 positives from your work and your calling and your feed and feedback from others in your life, but one person leaves you, deserts you, doesn't buy the product or service you're trying to sell or whatever, you're left with a lack of peace. And so the question is important for everybody because in our humanity, in our weakness, we're wired that way. Some of us worse than others, I know. But the whole, I'm going, to have all my, I'm going to live my life to have all favorable circumstances is an empty, futile way to live. But is there a peace? Is there a peace that you can have, that you can possess deep down, regardless of the circumstances? So I want to talk today quickly. This will be real fast. I want to talk to you first about peace with, with ourselves. Peace with ourselves we consider Luke 2.14, peace on earth. We consider the quest. We ask ourselves the question, is peace really possible in light of what we feel, in light of what we experience? But the Christmas story intersects with us and says we can have peace with ourselves. Colossians 3.15, an early brilliant follower of Jesus would write to the church at Colossae and he would say, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. We'll consider the second part in a minute, but keep that up. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, that word rule is a, is a good word. 
It's a good word. And in the Greek, it means it gives connotations back to us in the English of a referee or an umpire. A referee or an umpire to rule in your heart. Let peace be that for you. An umpire, a referee. There is, um, the NFL has a woman referee. Y'all know this? Sarah Thomas. Y'all know where she's from? From Rankin County, Mississippi. From right out in the reservoir. The only, I think the only woman in the ref. And, and we know her. She's been a friend and we know her. And Susan and I tripped out the other day. My wife watches a lot of football. Like it's almost a problem. She's ducking her head now. If you're in the house, you can look at her. She watches a lot of, way too much football to be happy. But she called my attention to our friend Sarah Thomas. Some of y'all know her, and Sarah Thomas is on the sidelines, and she's in, she's wearing a mask. Bill Belichick's wearing a mask. He's won a bunch of Super Bowls. She's just like, for us, she's just like a young lady uh, from the reservoir, and she's wearing a mask, and she's in Bill Belichick's face. She's reffing that game, and she's not letting this multi-Super Bowl winner tell her how to do her job. She's ruling the field. I've got a friend whose uh, dad was really passionate about sports, passionate about everything. He just wanted to win at all costs. My friend is in therapy today. And he tells a story of his dad, not one time, but several times where the ump would turn around and throw his dad out of the stands, like a fan, a fan being dismissed. An umpire, a referee is supposed to take charge, male or female, Little League Baseball, Pop Warner Football, the National Football League, to take charge. And Paul gives us this image that to let peace rule in our heart, it's an umpire, it's a referee, and it's keeping things out. It's playing ball, and it understands what needs to be president. Not just resident, but president. What needs to preside, what needs to rule over. And that's what peace, that's the image of peace. Paul would later write this early follower of Jesus, a lot of you know it, Philippians 4. A lot of you know it so well that it's going to be hard to get past your defenses now when I quote it. But Philippians 4 tells us, to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Be gentle to everyone. The Lord is near. That's the Christmas story. God, Emmanuel, the Lord is with us. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Come on. But in everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And God doesn't say in Philippians 4, then everything will be given to you. He says, because it's the greatest gift. It's the gift you need. When you're praying for something that you think you need, God knows that you don't need that, but you're not God. It says this, you don't be anxious and you pray, the peace of Christ will rule in your hearts. It will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So if you're a note taker, I want you to quickly write, or you write, I'll be quick, but write an acronym. I almost never do acronyms. I'm about to give you two really fast, okay? We're going to get you out of here on time, but two really fast. Write Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Then, then Philippians 4, 4 through 8, okay? Note takers. And then calm, C-A-L-M. How many of you need some calm? Raise your hand if you need some calm in your life. I'm going to give it to you today, okay? So for, here's the C for calm. Celebrate God's goodness. Don't just hear it, but do it. I want you to leave here today, and I want you to go celebrate God's goodness. I want you to celebrate so much that people closest to you today, and I know you're supposed to be away from people, but the people close to you, six feet from you with their mask on, they know that you're celebrating God's goodness, okay? Some of you aren't expressive. I've given you a big assignment. Celebrate God's goodness. That's the C in calm. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. The second, the, the A in this acronym it's this, ask God for help. Philippians 4 says, let your requests be known to God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So celebrate God's goodness. 
A, ask God for his help. Psalm 121, I look to the hills. I ask, where does my what? Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Here's what you're going to need to do when you ask God for help. You're going to need to train yourself and teach yourself and be open to learning and experiencing who God is more and more in the full measure of who he is. God is the maker of heaven and earth. I want him on my side. I want him to be my help. Like Scott Stossel wrote in the Atlantic only a year and a half ago, all these things aren't working. The the beer and the wine and the gin and the tonic and the vodka and the bourbon, et cetera, et cetera. The hypnosis, the acupuncture, the, the yoga, the individual therapy, the group therapy, the family therapy, the cognitive, emotional, behavioral therapy. All of this stuff can play a part. It can give temporary relief in the moment, but substantively it's not working. We need to look outside of ourselves for help. Let your request be made known to God. The L in our acronym calm, when, after you celebrate the goodness of God, after you ask God for help, you leave it with God. Leave it with him. Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.12, I am fully persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have entrusted to him. I've given it to him. I've let go of it. God has got it. Let me ask you, does anybody know a peace in the midst of turmoil? where you're overwhelmed and flooded with a sense. The problem hadn't gone away, but you're overwhelmed and flooded with a sense that God has got it. I pray that you would know that. It won't, look, even if it's fleeting, that you would know it because here's what I found in my life. It's enough to keep you going. Those moments when the problem is still there, it's still vexing, it's still consistent, it's waiting on you when you wake up, but you're flooded with a peace that God has got it. Scripture says in Philippians 4, you wrote that down, right, with our acronym CALM, leave your request, leave it with God, it, God's promises, it'll guard your hearts and minds. God, will, he's got it, he'll guard it, he'll keep it. He's got it, leave it with him. When you take your computer or appliance or electronic device to a store to get fixed, how does that go? You probably know the people, you trust them. At Best Buy, they're called the Geek Squad. Look, those guys are so smart, they're geeks. I don't have any geek in me. But when I bring something like you, I give it to them and I walk away. I bet you do the same. You don't, you don't hang around the store. You don't tell them. After you tell them what's wrong, after you maybe fill out a little form, you walk away. You don't hang out in the store. You don't wait and try to fix it with them. You don't put a sleeping bag in the store and hang out and wait and wonder when they're going to have it ready and give them more advice and work with them. You, you, I mean, unless you're really geeky yourself. I mean, I just take that geeky device, drop it to the geek squad, and I walk out of there. I leave it with them, and I trust them, and it it works most of the time. And with God, it's going to work every time. Calm, celebrate God's goodness. Rejoice in the Lord always. Ask God for help. Let your requests be made known to God. Pour out your heart to God. L, leave it with God. He can be trusted. That peace will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And then the final M of this acronym is meditate on good things. Paul says, think on the things that are true, noble, pure, righteous, that are lovely, admirable, noble, praiseworthy, and excellent. Think on these things. Do you have a place and time where you do that. Look, there's a ton of people that don't, there's the gap between knowing and doing 
And people that know and do are set free of so many frustrations. Now, there's unknowable, there's uncontrollable, okay? There's going to be less than favorable circumstances for it all. But when you know to do something and you do it, there's a blessedness and there's a peace. Spending time with God, exercising, going to see a counselor. Doing these things are helpful. Spending time with God, do you have a place, do you have a time where you meditate on what is good? Man, you can spend some of us five, seven, eight, ten, twelve hours a day on social media, and you're getting very little that's good. But to spend time with God, for me, it's right behind this baptistry. It's a luxury for me. There's a leather chair in my office, and it's just to me a prized place. I cherish it, I savor it. It's a time alone with God. It varies. I'm not consistent with the exact time, but every day I'm in that chair. If it's not here, it's at my house around a table in a different chair. But just to spend time alone, to meditate and to think on the things that are good. Think on those things. Do you want to have peace? Even back in the Psalms, asking God for help, Psalm 121, I will look to the hills. I will. There's this determined resolution. I will lift my head. I will do this. You can make the commitment this Christmas season to do that with God, to spend time with him and to meditate on things. Here's the thing. The, the, the problem ain't your problems. The problem is how you see your problem. And what happens in meditation is that changes. Man, it changes. And you see a God who watches over you. Exactly a year ago, I preached a sermon from right here. It was the Sunday. Uh, it was a Sunday before Christmas. Christmas Eve service. And early in January, my friend John Lasseter made this for me. Isn't that cool? I don't know if John is here today. Maybe he's skipping church. He's a rock star in our kids' area. He may be asleep now or watching from home. But John in January is a New Year's present. He, he basically, he, he made this for me and it was words from the sermon. Now, it'd be arrogant if I read part of my sermon today. But the thing about the sermon is that touched John, it's always the case, is it's just, it's just a word. Like, must have been on fire that day, but here's what I said. I told you to talk to your problems. If you believe what God says is true, if you believe that one day the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God hovered over it and from, from what was dark and formless and void, God brought light and life and it took shape and, and among His creation at the apex of His creation is you and me and we're fearfully and wonderfully made and you believe that God is the Creator and that He's created you and that He's got something for you, that His eyes on the sparrow and you know that He watches you and that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, that He's given you everything that you need for life and godliness and nothing can separate you from the love of Christ, that all things work together for good if you believe that the greatest victor of all death no longer has esteem because he has overcome the grave he's granted victory to you and if you believe that your story and the pain that you're going through this present trouble is a momentary light affliction that one day you will know it by the eternal weight of glory where you will be a worshiper with every tribe tongue and nation if you believe that to be true that should affect your mood and i want to tell you today it has an effect on mine so i talk to my problems i tell them what is true and is truer than any problem i'm going through man i was a good preacher last year Robert Greene, The Christmas Spirit, 12, 22, 19. I'm going back to listen to that. Here's what I'm saying to you today. I hope you don't miss the spirit of this. The preacher's got to preach to himself too. So here's what I did with John's gift. We had some renovation going on around here during the corona stuff the summer, but it got some dust on it. And so I put it up a little bit, but I brought it out recently because I'm having to talk to some problems because I'm human. And I'm in a fight. 
And I have to wage war against that which would take away the peace. So there's peace with ourselves. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Calm. Think calm. Go do calm. Email me later. You don't have to make me a gift, but just go do calm. Okay, secondly, peace with others. Look at Colossians 3.15 again, the second half. Remember, I promised this. Peace with others. Here, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. You were called to be members of a body. Look, I know coronavirus is wreaking havoc and we're not a people gathered as we once were. And most of our people are at home where they should be. There's no judgment here, all love. I'm excited about not just becoming what we once were, but even God doing greater things among us. But God's design for the church is to be a people who are brothers and sisters who don't stop meeting together. And with our technology and our modern times, we're able to make adjustments and still be a body. But there is a day coming, as it was and almost always has been, where there's handshakes and hugs and high fives and holy kisses. I've already promised y'all I'm giving some holy kisses when these masks come off. But we're a body. And that means as a church, we shouldn't, this shouldn't be funny to us. It shouldn't be fuzzy. We should be clear. We have a mission. We have a mandate. We are to be discoverers and disciplers in a church body, to be members of one another. Here's what it means. You need somebody to learn from. You need somebody to learn with. And you need somebody to teach. And if it ain't at Fondren, find it somewhere. I hope it's here. But you need someone to learn from, someone to learn with, and someone to teach. To be a discoverer and to be a disciple of Jesus, and then to spread it, to spread it to others. I've got a friend who, starting in um, early April, around Easter, he and his grown siblings, they get a text every day from their mama. And the mom writes to them, and it's a, he showed me a sample of it this week, but uh, he showed me, a, she, she gives a daily scripture, prayer, and she offers some encouragement something personal. Habakkuk 3, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. It says the same thing a long time ago before Paul said it in Philippians 4. Rejoice in the goodness of our God. Rejoice in him. She put Habakkuk 3.18 and she said, this is my prayer for you guys today, that you would look to Jesus, our Savior, first and last above all. I love every one of you, the four kids. I love every one of you and I'm proud to be your mom. And here's what, you probably could guess this. You know, this mom, this woman, my friend's mom, she doesn't just encourage her kids. You ready for this? She encourages a bunch of it. Dozens of people are the recipient of her encouragement. So here's the second acronym, and this is a fast one. Let's call it ESPN. Let's call it ESPN. The E is for encouragement. And here's what I want to say to you. What she does in bringing encouragement, phone calls, texts, letters, visits, all of this, what she does, you can do too. You can bring peace to other people. In fact, I'll make you a promise. Some of your problems will either melt away or you'll gain perspective in your problems with your lack of peace if you'll focus more on bringing peace to other people. All right? So I'm asking you to quit whining and complaining and moping and being isolated and think about how you can ESPN. Here it is. Encouragement is the first one. Bring encouragement. Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another daily so that you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Every day you need encouragement. The second is scripture. You say, Robert, I don't know much scripture. Well, you will when you get calm and spend time meditating. Listen, Google scripture. 
You know a friend that's lost something? Google scripture. Most of you know we lost a dog and you guys have come in strong for us with gifts and love and it has been a beautiful, beautiful thing. Just Google what the person's going through and I bet you Googly will tell you a Bible verse. Uh, Give scripture. You'll learn scripture as you teach and pass on scripture. You don't have to be holier than thou. Encourage and give scripture. And the P is, you see it coming, right? It's prayer, offering a prayer and then actually doing it. Actually doing it. The staff, listen to me real quick. Not getting political, not getting divisive. You can take it that way if you want to. I hope you don't. But look, there is a global health crisis and there is a mental health crisis. Listen to me right now. There is a mental health crisis crisis and leading a church in the city we see it every day whether it's the homeless getting worse how can you get worse whether it's the homeless getting worse or us other people struggling there is a mental health and the need for prayer is really great and I've got a brother in Christ who shared with me this week he thought he was going to get out of my office and uh, he, he a tear came to his eye and he said my mom is battling dementia. And it's hard for them to talk about. And this disease is a crippling thing. And my brother in Christ doesn't share weaknesses a lot, but man, I got him and I said, let me pray for you right now, for God's grace. This weekend's big for them and just for God's grace, for unity in the family, for understanding. But to pray, and then the end is next step. Do you know you can bring peace by encouraging someone to take a next step? Do something about what you're learning. Hey, here's something you do. You know, you can come to Fondren Church. Hey, you can be a part of our Christmas Eve service. Hey, you can join our group. We circle up. We, here, here's what you can do. Hey, you need to be baptized. Hey, here, you know what? You need to go get counseling. Let me tell you, Fondren Church could help you do this because we do. And you can go get help. Here's a next step for you. Hey, you need to write the letter. Hey, you need to have that difficult conversation. Hey, you need to go talk to so-and-so. Because they've walked through what you've walked through. You can encourage them to take the next step. That's ESPN. Encouragement, scripture, prayer, and next step. Peace with others. First, peace with ourselves. Peace with others. And lastly, peace with God. Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. If we take Jesus seriously, his life and teachings, his miracles, if we're to take him seriously, he points, us, he points us to a God who is both tender and terrifying. Think of the Lord's Prayer. We're going to teach this sometime in the new year in 2021. But in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus told us to pray a certain way. Repeat after me. It's not really a repeat after me, but you, you get the idea. And he said, our Father, tender, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, terrifying. We have to reckon with our sin. The power that sin has on us, the reality of sin in us, and we need a Savior who can wash away our sins, who can take away the guilt, who can release us from the dominion of its power in ever-increasing measure. That's what we need. And we can experience that. It can begin today. This peace can become more of a reality in your life. As Lauren as the team comes up, I want to ask you to pray. I want to ask you in this moment to pause and if bowing is the best thing for you, do that. If you're at home, don't tune out, turn off. I want to ask you 
to ask God for peace. I want you to ask God to calm you. I want you to ask God what a next step for you can be. How can you today celebrate his goodness? I want to say it again, the problem with your problems is not just the problem. It's not really the problem. It's how you see the problem. And when you take in his word and you let his peace rule in your hearts, he's greater. He's greater than anything that you're going through. I preached it a year ago and I got a gift in the new year and when I got that gift we had no idea what this year would bring. The unknowable, uncontrollable, the unlikely when it becomes the likely. If you're in the house we're about to release you but would you stand I want to pray over you and invite you to sing with us a song about joy. This could be the beginning of you celebrating the goodness of God in your life father thank you in the midst of chaos would you bring calm in the middle of anxiety would you bring peace I thank you for the Christmas story and that a baby was born who fulfilled a prophecy from the great prophet Isaiah that a child will be born a son will be given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty God the everlasting father the prince of peace but he came in the midst of turbulence and chaos and he comes to us today so God I pray for us I pray for Fondren Church For those in an overflow room, in the balcony here, those at home, those who will watch or listen later, so many of us could be a community together to unleash peace in our city, to think of ways to bring encouragement, scripture, and prayer, and prod other people to next steps. God, receive our song of worship. Create in us a peace that can guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.